Welcome to Great Commission Conversations, a program where we engage in conversation with Bible-believing Christian workers who are serious about getting the gospel around the world. I'm Lee Cadenhead, missionary to Zimbabwe, Africa, sent out of Cornerstone Baptist Church in Carthage, Tennessee, and your host for this Great Commission Conversation. The church's commission to go is not so much about crossing borders as reaching people. And sometimes our duty to teach all nations doesn't require a trip around the world. When the gospel made its introduction to Ethiopia, it was Philip the Evangelist that did the pioneering labor, but it was the Ethiopian eunuch, by far, that covered the greater distance. There's no telling where the gospel may have gone by way of the mariners that received a witness from the Apostle Paul in Acts 27 in the course of their seafaring hardships. My guest today is Brother Ken Kreich with Seaport Ministries. Brother Kreich has been taking the gospel to the seamen docked at the Port of Mobile since 2009, and it is a fascinating and fruitful door of ministry and evangelism that the Lord has opened unto him. He tells us about it on today's program, including some of the outstanding stories of his interaction with these men that go down to the sea in ships and do business in great waters. Thanks for tuning in. Now for the interview with Brother Ken Kreich of Seaport Ministries. Brother Ken, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to sit down with me and talk with me about the Seaport Ministry. I've been looking forward to this conversation. As we've seen an influx of people immigrating to the United States here in recent years, I hear sometimes uh, the people that have an interest in missions remark that the mission field has come to us, that the nations have come to America. But I think that that's something that you've been aware of for a number of years, because that's really uh, what your ministry consists of is going to the nations that have already come to the ports of America, and in, in this case, the Port of Mobile. So uh, if you would, brother, why don't you start by telling us what is a seaport ministry and how did you get to be involved in the seaport ministry there in the Port of Mobile? Well, thank you, Brother Lee. Uh, sir, it's really a, I, I think you would say it's a ministry to forgotten people. Uh, these folk have been coming to our shores for years and years. And I think we, if you've read some history and you've read some Louis Lamar books, you've heard about the old schooners and, and the things that happened on those years. But these, these folk, predominantly men, have been coming here for, I would say, hundreds of years. And, and that's a ministry of reaching people who really are, are so far away from home they have a difficult life at sea, and it's a ministry of just really taking the Word of God and having a purpose uh, to place it into their hands and their hearts. So it, it's been around a while. This ministry has been pioneered, I would say, as far as a gospel presentation ministry. Probably back in the 60s, I know in the 70s it was, uh, it was started. You may be aware of a missionary that was uh, in Thailand for years. His name was Tommy Tillman. Yes, sir. And Tommy originally, in speaking with him several years ago up at, uh, at Evergreen, Alabama, uh, he, he told me about dropping Bibles over a bridge to Russian men as they would pass under the bridge because it wasn't allowed to go on board the vessel. And then in the 70s and 80s, that ministry expanded a bit with the work of uh, uh, Brother Bernie Murray and Dewey Mars. Both of them were uh, 
they were uh, ex-seafarers, and they started work in uh, New Orleans, and then Bernie went to Los Angeles, I'm sorry, uh, Houston. And really, he kind of pioneered the, the port ministry here in the Port of Mobile in Pensacola in the early and mid-90s. So uh, that door kind of opened up at that point. And, and you know, um, the, the Word of God is so plain when it comes to men of the sea. In Psalm 107, verse 23, as we read it, it's very specific to the seafarer. Uh, they that go down the sea in ships that do business in great waters. So even the psalmist was able to speak some of that. But the greatest need, uh, we need to back up and look at verse 20, when it says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their distresses. So that's a ministry part of it. Uh, they've been here for a long time, but that's really uh, reaching people as a foreign field comes to us because uh, we may talk about this a little bit in the, in the future, but there's some closed countries that you and I uh, would have a difficult time getting into, and at least with liberty. In this ministry, they come to us. Right. And, and that allows us a great opportunity uh, to present them the life-changing gospel of salvation and the finished work of what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. It's a pretty unique opportunity. As you say, they've, they've come to us, and that's that's certainly true. Uh, even some closed countries, you mentioned Tommy Tillman, the, uh, I don't, uh, Tommy Tillman. I mean, he's just legendary in, in independent Baptist circles. He accomplished so much for the Lord, both in Thailand and Mongolia, but he ended up his, his ministry in Thailand, actually in a manner of speaking, it was initiated on the ships in the port of New Orleans, um, that he was issued an invitation from someone he met on a ship to go to Korea. And then by way of Korea, he was in, uh, invited to work among the lepers in Thailand. And I have a, a, another friend actually that recently relocated to Southern Asia to a uh, creative access country. And, uh, he was exposed to this country in part uh, doing port ministry actually up in Alaska. Yes. He's been a, he was a, a guest on this program yes. in previous times. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, uh, so I guess, was it, was it brother Bernie Murray that introduced you to the port ministry back in 2009? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was, um, and Bernie's member of Fisherman Baptist church where I've attended since about 2002. And, and if I may, may I back up just a moment to, to tell you how God got a kid from northeastern farm and ranch country in Colorado to get on board a vessel. Uh, <laughs> sure. It is just uh, God's only one that could do something like that. And it all began on January 13, 1979, when a pastor came knocking at my door. And I was a 25-year-old lost young man, a religious background, a hard family situations, uh, and had really left that religious organization in my teens because I saw a lot of things that were, were questioning my mind, but I never could get over the fear of dying and, uh, and burning. And that, that was real to me. So my father had invited me down. I was working on a ranch in Wyoming. My father uh, was in the lumber business and he and I became uh, reacquainted after several years. 
And he told me, he said, I would like to bring my pastor by your house some night and just have you talk to him. And for some reason, and I believe this is just the wooing and the moving of the Holy Spirit, I said, yeah, I'd like to ask him some questions because I was bitter. And I I couldn't figure out how uh, the Pope and religious organization could continue to change the playing field. Right. And uh, that, that disturbed me, even though, and, and a lot of that was out of bitterness. So when Brother Don Kittle came to my door, knocked on that, my door that evening, every time I had a question about how could this happen, he just turned the word of God around, had me read it. He said, there's <laughs> only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. He didn't berate my religion. Uh, he just, every time I had a question, he showed me in scripture. And at that night he said, he said, so what are you going to do with eternity? And I said, I already know what I'm going to do with it. I said, I'm going to die and, and I'm going to burn in hell. And these words, he said, you know, you don't have to do that. And I said, really? So he took the scripture and he showed me the simple uh, fact of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ the propitiation of my sin was taken care of. And I had never heard of such a thing. And he said, it's free. All you need to do is believe the word of God, trust it, and by faith be born again. And I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, you just tell God in your own words that you're a sinner and you you need him. And I remember sitting, kneeling in my kitchen floor at that time. And that, that Brothers, I trusted Christ as my Savior. I, that was the greatest thing I'd ever heard. I could not believe it was that simple, yet it was that profound. So uh, that was way back in 1979, and immediately, I think after about two months probably of just trying to uh, read the Word of God, had some discipleship, I wanted to tell everybody I could about you know, how the free gift of salvation in Christ. So I've never gotten over that. And to be quite honest, brother, that uh, that drove me uh, through uh, my career you know, working in, in the lumber business and uh, managing and uh, just a career. But all the time, we always, my wife and I have always had a tendency to serve and desire to serve. So when we came to Alabama, I had a job offer in Alabama. We came to Orange Beach. And Bernie Murray was in our church. And, and Bernie is a great saint, a, a deep love for, for the seamen and the industry. But he, he became sick. And he asked me, he said, I have services aboard the tugs. Would you mind driving me over there? Because he had some issues and he couldn't drive. And I said, sure, Bernie. So I started driving him. In 2009, and uh, uh, we would go aboard every every other Sunday. We'd have a service on board the tugboats. And as we was walking down the pier back to the car, there was a giant ship there, a large ocean-going commercial vessel. And I said, Bernie, who is going on there to tell those people about Christ? And he said, brother, I used to. He said, I'm physically right now not able to do that. He said, Don Bettis comes. And Don Bettis, by the way, was 85 years old at the time. He said, he comes from Pensacola once in a while to help. And it was there 
that uh, God reminded me uh, that uh, I had surrendered and he had promised me in April of 1996 that before I would die, he would allow me to serve him full time or we would maybe call that vocationally. But he had promised me that. In Habakkuk chapter 2, and I think it's in verse 3, and there's a scripture that I don't know that I can quote it exactly, but uh, he said, it will come, just wait for it. And he secured that call for me in, in April 1996. And, that, and I was at peace with that. But God moved us all through those years from Colorado to East Texas, and now we're in Alabama in a job situation, always trying to serve. But when he, when we walked by that vessel, it was like, this is where I want you, Ken. So I tried to secure that with, with, uh, with some visits with Don Bettis. He took me aboard the vessels, I think, for a couple weeks and kind of mentored me. And it, it, it's just touched my heart. So uh, that's, that's what we've tried to do is just be a servant. I think the greatest part is just serving the Word of God. And I, I like to tell people our ministry is placing the Word of God in the hands and hearts of foreign seafarers. They're hungry, brother. Uh, they're religious. But the vast, vast majority of them are lost without Christ. Well, I guess since since you got your introduction to those large vessels in, in port years ago, that the... the uh, that door seems to have grown wider and wider for you. Um, so how has the, the Lord is blessed. You have had an opportunity to have a, a consistent presence there at the Portomobile mm -hmm. uh, for years. So how has that open door of ministry developed over the years and how has it taken shape your involvement on the, on the ships and interacting with the men? Well, I think, brother, it's like anything else. It's just consistency and a desire. It's the love of Christ. Um, and as we view a port, and I've tried to view the port as almost like a, a different country and different people groups within that country because a uh, this port ministry is to people, and that's working people inside the port. Um, they call us chaplains. Uh, there is not a lot of... Uh, Bible-believing ministries like that around the world, but there's some. But uh, so as time has went on, I've tried to be a, a blessing and a, a spiritual, I guess you would call it, a lighthouse to the workers at the port, to the port authorities, to the police department, uh, stevedores, uh, managing companies, agents, because they're all involved with that industry and specifically with the seafarers. So it's bigger than just seafarers, but that's the, that's the most part that we do. Uh, they like us to be on the port. Uh, they know that uh, we are an advocate for the uh, seafarers. Um, the Coast Guard uh, gives free access and has for years. They want uh, ministry-type organizations to be on there to minister to the ships. I even have a piece of paper drawn up from the Coast Guard uh, years ago that said that they must allow us access to the vessels. Yeah. Wow. So that has been such a blessing. But I, th I think just spending time with them, brother, 
um, we have uh, we have seen uh, them open up. Uh, uh, I'll give you a brief instance on how you can minister not only to the to the seafarers, but about eight years ago, I went aboard a vessel and there was a Russian uh, captain, and he came to me and he said. He's in, and uh, he said, uh, Reverend, and I understand what he meant. And a lot of them call me father, and that's okay. I understand what they mean. But he said, uh, we need your help. And I said, yes, sir. I said, what can I do for you? And he said, uh, you need to do a cleansing service upon our vessel. I said, sir, I, I don't understand what you mean. What do you mean a cleansing service? He said, a man was killed on our vessel this morning. A piece of metal had uh, come loose as they were loading it, and it cut off the top of the head of one of the stevedores and killed him instantly. Wow. And he had a Filipino crew, and uh, he said, you must talk to my second officer. I said, okay. I, I said, I can't do a cleansing service, but I'll, I'll try to help you. So that uh, second officer came in, and they were all upset. And, of course, uh, they had to clean up. Uh, the residue there, and it's just a terrible accident and a lot of fear aboard. And, and he said, you must, you must help us because when the man passed, he said, when we went down to take his body out, his eyes were still open. So his spirit is running around the vessel before he goes to purgatory. Oh my. Uh, and I, I said, uh, sir, uh, let me help you with that. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord if you know Christ. I said the second portion of that is uh, if he didn't know Christ, he would be lost in eternity. But let, let, let's, not, uh, let's not worry about purgatory. Let's worry about today. So they invited me to come and have a service that evening aboard the vessel. And all I did was take the word of God and explain to them that death will come to all us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we, we run the rail of the vessel and about 15 of the uh, men on the vessel was there, including the captain. And lo and behold, the stevedoring company that this man worked for. And as, when we say stevedores, those are the longshoremen was an old term. And uh, here they were gathered on the pier, looking up at us at the rail. So we had about 45 people there and just tried to be a blessing and comfort to the folk. And uh, with that, a little bit of, I guess, comfort or grace shown to those folks, those, those, that stevedoring crew became very close to me. And we went to the funeral, we paid uh, respects there to the family, the young man that was killed and his wife and two children. And the foreman and some of the uh, stevedores have become very close friends of mine. And, and there's one a specific man, a young a black man. His name is Hot Rod. That's his, that's his uh, nickname. And whenever Hot Rod sees me coming, he'll come down off the ship and give me a hug. Um, so that's ministering to the whole port, brother. But it happened through an incident in dealing with seafarers. And sure. uh, that's, that's just meeting the needs of people because ministry is people. Um, right. Yeah, it, it, you can say you have a certain responsibility, but when it comes to loving people and having compassion on them and making a difference, 
uh, that goes everywhere. So that ministry is expanded, I guess you would say in that way, at the port. Um, and uh, we just, we want to be a haven of rest. And uh, so God has allowed us to do that, specifically with the seafarers, but uh, uh, the police department there, uh, the port authorities have been very gracious to us. And we have much to be grateful for in that response. And it, and it continues to get better. It really Amen. does. Well, you mentioned these men being um, separated from their families for protracted periods of time. I'm sure at times some overwhelming loneliness that they deal with. And seafarers, I think, historically, have uh, the, the lifestyle has been oftentimes because of the seclusion and the separation from family. It's been associated for throughout history with all manner of sin and just a lot of opportunities to get in trouble and so forth. And so your, your presence there, uh, your just, your compassion, your willing to, to listen, your willing, willingness to uh, interact, open some doors. But how do you, when you approach a, when you approach a new uh, so, uh, sailor, uh, mm-hmm. someone that, that you've not made contact before, how do you initiate the conversation? And what, it seems like you guys also look for opportunities to maybe minister to some of their simple carnal needs in an effort to open up doors to minister to spiritual needs. So how sure. do you go about that? Sure. Well, what I do, brother, when we go up the gangway, and the gangway is the one way up and one way down on every vessel. And as we go up the gangway, they have a gangway officer staged there that is kind of the uh, the the guy that allows you, we would call him a gatekeeper. And I would go up and I would announce that um, my name is Ken Creech. I'm with Seaport Ministries. I'm an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd Amen. like to have my uh, your permission to bring some uh, scriptures aboard your vessel and some music and some magazines and things that would be of a help to you. And may I have permission to go inside and depending on the country and the language uh, barriers, you can get that through pretty easily. Uh, not always. Um, so they would uh, radio up to the officer in charge, whether it be captain or chief mate or one of the other officers, and he would announce who I was. And uh, most of the time they would invite me to go inside to what we call the crew mess. And, and that's the place where they would eat their meals, and if not there, they have what they would call a recreation room that may be close to that. And as I, I would go in, I would I would uh, uh, place my scriptures there uh, on the table, along with some uh, magazines and some things like that. But, you know, we're always invited in. Uh, that's a different country, and you have to uh, uh, request access not only do you have to request access, you, my my thing is to make them let them know that everything is free. Uh, they're used to having people come on board and try and sell them things and take advantage right. of them. But when you go up there and say it's free, and I like to give, and my desire is to give the word of God, uh, that's a pretty good access. Uh, that really that really makes a difference. So when we get there, we'll give. I'll try to give them uh, uh, some icebreakers. We have little coins in different languages uh, that would say, "Where will you spend eternity?" 
and it's about the size of a silver dollar, and it's aluminum, but it has a message, and, and they will look at that. So a lot of times that'll, that'll bring up a conversation. And then as we, uh, as we get able to get inside, we speak to them about their family. They're, they're a long-time brother. Uh, their life is hard. Uh, they, they're, they're basically on duty 24 hours a day. Now, they have rest time. But can you imagine uh, an average contract of nine months being on a 700-foot ship with 20 guys eating the same food, sleeping in the same bed, uh, uh, time and distractions uh, are their greatest enemy. So when they, when they see someone different come on board, that, uh, and, and they'll pick up on whether you're genuine or not. If you're trying to sell yeah. something, uh, if your heart's not right, they're very attuned. Uh, no matter what their culture is, no matter what their language is, they're very good at reading people. Uh, so when you come with no motives but to give and to share, uh, there's a lot of barriers come down, and, and they, mm -hmm. they open up to you. And you mentioned that um, you you may have a predominant nationality that that is um, responsible for a particular ship, the or the uh, originating country of that ship. And so, how do you deal? Uh, well, I would be interested. I, I it seems like you've had access to. I read somewhere over forty different countries uh, over the years. I'd be interested for you to mention some of the countries, perhaps that you interact with somewhat regularly and i am curious also about how you deal with the is there a language barrier are most of these folks um conversant in english and then how do you prepare to i mean that's a lot of different languages that that you're trying to accommodate in terms of the literature so how do you handle that well it, yeah and and i i can count for sure 40 different countries i've had some uh seafaring friends that said there's up to 80 uh, they've seen 60, but uh, many, many countries. And I think if you would geographically think in your mind of any country that borders water, uh, there's right. a large amount of people there. And, and in our in the ministry that uh, the Lord has allowed me to serve in for these many years, the greatest majority would be Filipino. And I would say about 70% of the seafarers through the years have been Filipino. Uh, they're wonderful people. As you know, they're soft, uh, religious, uh, not hard, not hardened to the gospel. Although that's as time goes on, we see a little bit uh, more of of the, of the hardness coming into the, even that people group. But uh, Russian speaking, which would take into Ukrainian, Latvian, Lithuanian. Uh, all of Belarus, uh, many of those countries, uh, European countries, uh, Poland, Romania, uh, many of those countries are common. Uh, we have a lot from the nor north, the Norwegian, the Swedes, who are, uh, they've been around, uh, they have been around socialism for so long, brother. I'm going to tell you, they're probably the, one of the hardest uh, to reach with scripture and with the gospel. But um, really, yes, sir. Just uh, amazing uh, how that happens. Uh, England, English, of course, we have some from Great Britain, uh, UK come in. A great amount now are coming from uh, uh, China. 
When I first started uh, in 2009, 2010, we saw very few Chinese. And when they came, they were on their communist ships. So it's a delicate situation to put scripture on there because if a man would uh, receive a Chinese Bible and there's a communist officer on board there, he would lose his job. So there was, uh, there was a lot of discernment needed at that point. And then, and then, uh, but we love the countries of India. We have a lot of Indian come in, Sri Lankan, Indonesian, uh, just about every country that is surrounded by water are represented uh, at the sea. Thailand, we have a lot of Thai people. Vietnamese, uh, two weeks ago I had a whole vessel come in of all Vietnamese. That's the first time I can recall in these 11 years that we've had a vessel completely full of Vietnamese men. And so, uh, can I go to Vietnamese, to the v Vietnam? Yes. Uh, but it's difficult, as you know, you have some friends there, and things can be done there. But uh, I can meet with 30 at one time. And, and they are conversant in English. But the key is to get the Word of God in their language, in their hands. And that, that is the crucial part of that, because then, uh, then they, can, uh, they can read it in their own words, um, uh, James now and I were aboard a Chinese vessel uh, several years ago, and a, an, an engineer came up and he said, "I have heard, I have heard this, uh, that uh, that God, your God, confused the languages of the world years ago." He said, "Can you show me? Is that true?" And, wow. and James took the word of God and took him to Genesis and showed him about the Tower of Babel. The man was amazed, and he. <laughs> And he said, so your, your God is real? He said, yes, sir. So he took that Chinese Bible, and, and only God knows what he did with that Bible. But, uh, but the key part is just to, uh, to get the Word of God in there and, and, and spend time with them. Uh, when, you, when they see you sincerely care for them, uh, you don't have an agenda. You want to listen to them. Uh, you want to share uh, some burdens with them. I can tell you story after story of uh, hardened men uh, that break uh, when you're with them a day or two. And, and there's a couple in particular. If you have time, we'll talk about those. But the key is meeting the need of the heart. Find a need, meet that need, and build a bridge. And the greatest need for any man, woman, boy, or girl is the gift of salvation that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, sincerity, compassion, listening, uh, meeting a need, uh, uh, and maybe giving them something that they can't get their hands on right there, uh, that uh, it just brings a barrier down to where the real opportunity to share the gospel comes forth. So give me a give me a an an illustration of some of the fruit that you've seen on the on the ships. What is a uh, what's an outstanding example of of some spiritual fruit that the Lord has uh, allowed you to reap there in the port of Mobile? Well, the one that probably comes to my mind um, that would uh, I don't know that it was the hardest. It's probably been the most rewarding to date. There's a couple that stand out, but one about 
five years ago, a, a vessel came to the port and they were loading frozen chicken quarters and they were taking them to Cuba. And you have to understand that on a, on a vessel, there's so many uh, personal situations going on and they have mixed nationalities many times. And this particular vessel came in and the chief cook, now he's kind of like the mother hen on the vessel. He's always in the galley. He's always available and people will share with him. And, and when I go on board, he's one of the first guys that will usually come to him, to us, uh, him and the mess man and, and visit and ask, would you like a cup of coffee and things like that. But I noticed on this particular vessel that the cook was kind of staying away from us. And he, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't quite normal. And the Polish captain was very kind to us and, uh, the Russian offers of Filipinos are always so, so happy to see you and, and pick up a National Geographic and visit with you a while and take a, take a New Testament with them. But uh, So that vessel came back about three months later, and when I went aboard uh, to visit with him again, uh, Francis uh, came to me as soon as the guys left. He said, I need to speak with you. And I said, okay. And he said, I need to speak with you in my cabin. And that is unusual. I've only had that happen a handful of times, but uh, he took me down to his cabin and he shut the door. And he said, you need to get me off the ship. And I said, Francis, I can't get you off the ship. I don't have that ability. And he said, I have AIDS. And if anyone finds out, I will lose my job immediately. You need to get me off the ship. He hadn't told anybody. Wow. And I said, well, for, and he looked rough. And I said, Francis, how do you know? He says, he says, sir, I have all of the symptoms. I have everything. And he, and he looked bad. And he said, if you don't help me, I will commit suicide. You see that knife on my bed? He said, I've been holding that knife to my throat every night for over one month. Because I want to kill myself. He says, but I can't because I think of my two children. And I said, Francis, don't do that. Committing suicide with the, without the Lord Jesus Christ is just the beginning of your problems. I said, let's talk about your relationship with Jesus Christ, and then let's take care of your situation with your AIDS. So we spent about four days together. Wow. Um, I, would, uh, I wrote down scriptures for him. I would go home have him read them and look over them. And of course, we're wanting to deal with his soul predominantly, but also God answers prayer and concerns. So after about the fourth day, I took him, I said, now you guys are going to sail here in about two or three days. Let's get this settled. He said, I really need to trust Jesus Christ. I said, yes, sir, Amen. you do. So he put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ on board the vessel quietly down in his uh, in his bunk room and then I said okay now let's trust God for this IV HIV situation so I had done some research got a hold of the doctor and he told me that a, a test kit was available so I ran down to the uh, Walgreens got a test kit took it back to the ship and uh, in the privacy of his uh, cabin uh, we went ahead and did that test and uh I'll never forget, uh, he, and it takes 40 minutes, and he wouldn't let me leave his room, and he didn't want to look at the results. 
and he had me look at him and he and when I I didn't look at him there's a little door on the test kit you open the door and the color of the vial tells you whether you're positive or negative and I turned around and I opened that and showed it to him and he screamed and he grabbed me and he started weeping and he slid all the way down to the floor clutching my legs and I said Francis it's okay let's just trust God and he said he said Pastor Ken Pastor Ken it's negative it's negative <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> so uh, probably the greatest example of seeing God work spiritually as well as physically and in a family, uh, that, that's probably the greatest thing. I'll tell you this. Before he left, I said, Francis, you need to talk to your wife and tell her what happened. And uh, he did. And uh, he, he, he texted me back and he said, my wife will be calling you. I said, oh boy. Because there were some things uh, between us that should not be talked about. And I, I was in a position, do I tell her what I know? And sure. she called me back and she said, Pastor Ken, I need you to know that I have been praying for Francis for over two years. That he would trust Christ as his Savior. <laughs> <laughs> said, are you kidding me? She said, no, sir. She said, thank you for taking the gospel to this man. So in uh, two, that was uh, 2000, uh, probably 2015 and 2017, I made two trips to the Philippines in 2017. He happened to be home. And he said, will you come meet my family? And I said, yes. So I was getting ready to go to the uh, airport. So I was in Manila. I'd been in the provinces, but I was in Manila. He said, would you come meet my family? So uh, what a joy to meet his wife and his two children and just see how God had taken just a simple uh, introduction uh, to a personal need and, and see him not only save a life eternally and physically, but uh, he, he saved a family, I believe. So we're still close. Uh, I speak to Francis probably every couple weeks. Amen. Uh, we keep in touch. Uh, that was that was a great example. But the, the second one, I'll mention briefly because I know time is passing for you. But uh, uh, young man, we I had uh, one of our ministry helps is to take them out shopping uh, when they need to go to the city. We'll take them out shopping and. and we had four guys of one vessel, and this is what we call a liner. Uh, they would go to the Caribbean all the way to Trinidad and Tobago. Then they would come back, reload, and they'd go back again. So I saw this crew about every month. And in that time, uh, we had gotten close to several of them. But four, we'd been out, out shopping, and I picked them up at Walmart about uh, 1030, I guess, and it's coming back to the port and I said, okay, guys, I'm going to take you to your ship. And Francis, or not Francis, but a man by the name of Ryan said, no, sir. He said, no, no, let's go to the Mariner's house. We have a, an office there inside the port. He said, Let, let's go do a Bible study. <laughs> and I said, okay. So we sat there until 11. Uh, we started about 11 o'clock until 1 o'clock in the morning. And three of those men had been saved, were saved at that, at that time. Just a rich time around the Word of God. But Ryan, uh, we have a correspondence course, uh, a book that we will give them called The Anchors of the Faith. And uh, 
And I said, you guys need to get in this and start learning what happened to you tonight. And they took it. When Ryan came back, he had all eight chapters finished. Wow. Amen. So he was excited. And Ryan went on to uh, grow in his spiritual faith. And, and Ryan went back to his city in Naval, Biliron, which is in the, in the island of Lete. And, and Ryan actually helped start a, a Bible-believing church. Wow. Uh, not the pastor. Uh, but he is instrumental in finding uh, the locations in his home city, getting it started because of his financial ability to do that, and chose a pastor. And uh, he just sent me a picture of the finished building a couple years ago. So that is a that's a highlight because uh, we're, what we really want them to do, we want them to be saved, of course, but we want them to go back to their country and their families, absolutely, and, and make a change. Uh, if that means starting churches, that's fine. If that means, uh, and we relocate them a lot of times to missionaries and churches that we know in their countries. Uh, Odessa, Ukraine. Uh, of course, there's missionaries there we know. Uh, Thailand and other countries. So that the ministry is really uh, to have them reach their countries for Christ. But we're just, we're, we're the seed planting. We're the start of that. But every once in a while, God gives you a trophy of his grace that you can look back on and say, you know, I'm, I'm at the right spot and we're at the right time and God does the work, but the word of God has to be placed in their heart and in their hands. And that, that's a couple, that's a couple trophies that uh, are to the glory of God that I can tell you right off the top of my head. There's lots of others, sure, but sure. those, those are two special ones for me. You mentioned there the, the Mariner's house and, uh, the the fact that the Lord has provided you a property in the Port of Mobile, given the nature of of, of that uh, operation, that's that's a providential thing in and of itself. And um, I guess you've got a ministry van that you use to to run those uh, those seamen to to the into town sometimes, and so it it really has grown into something that's. Uh, it's it's quite an operation at this stage, and you do some you do some special projects too. I I, I got to participate some years back in uh, in a special project that you that you uh, do I guess on an annual basis around the holiday. So yes, sir. How, what 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 does that consist of? Well, I think that's probably the biggest uh, opportunity for us to get the word of God in these fellows' hands. We put together Christmas bags. And in those bags, we'll put things that uh, uh, help them uh, physically. Of course, the greatest thing we do is is to make sure we have uh, some spiritual helps in those. So we will put together anywhere from 500 to 750, 800 bags. And uh, we put inside their uh, toboggan, uh, bonnet, uh, knitted cap, if that's what you wish to call it. Uh, we'll this past year, we put in a mug, uh, some candies, uh, sewing kits, uh, um, things to clean their computers with. But the, the greatest uh, thing we do put in there is the Word of God in their language. And uh, we do that with a USB drive. So we'll buy a four gigabyte USB uh, drive and then we will download uh, messages in their language, music in their language as those are available, and also in English. A lot of the people around the world really understand 
uh, Christmas songs, even in English. But uh, <laughs> uh, you recorded a message, a very good message that dealt with these men's hearts. So we have a preaching on there. Uh, we'll put their New Testament in their language on there uh, when we have those available. So that's a special project. Uh, that's kind of a big one. Uh, of course, them being away from their families at Christmas time, uh, that's a very sensitive time for them. Uh, we'll place those uh, bags aboard their vessels. Uh, we have at times also when we place the bags, we'll have a group of people sing Christmas carols to them from the pier. And you want to see a Russian melt? Uh, he knows those songs. He's hanging over the rail and he just received a free gift. And now some of these, uh, a, a chorus of people are singing Christmas carols, looking up to him uh, from the pier. Uh, th they melt, brother. I don't care how Amen. tough they are. Uh, that that sensitivity plays a great part in those. But uh, that's probably the greatest thing we've done for them. We have fed them. Uh, James Nala and I have fried fish and shrimp. Uh, uh, it's just anything we can use to uh, show compassion and earn a right to share the Word of God with them. And And that happens with food. We've had vessels that were hung up there at the port without any power. Uh, they had been abandoned by their company. And uh, many years ago, Karen, uh, my wife, uh, would cook meals. Uh, we'd take it to them and uh, feed them. Uh, we had taken uh, groceries to them. Uh, they came over to our mariner's house and showered there because they had no water or electricity on board their vessel. So it's, it's all a means to an end, and that's to show the love of Christ and to share the gospel that Christ really does not only care for their physical needs, but his greatest ministry, of course, was caring for sure. their special need, spiritual. Well, as we wind down the conversation here, Brother Ken, I had a couple, of, uh, a couple more questions for you. Sure. And one... Uh, at one time, there was the, you, you. You were pretty open in in saying that. Look, we have the mission field has come to us. The nations have come to us, and if there are churches or individuals that would like to come and see the ministry, or if there are people that would be interested in volunteering, um, that was an an open door in times past. I am wondering if that if that's still the case, um, or, or if COVID has obviously COVID's affected pretty much everything everywhere. Uh, I'm wondering if it, that's affected your ability to bring in new volunteers. Uh, not really, sir. Of course, the, the restrictions uh, are very tight because it's Homeland Security uh, facilities. So um, uh, not just anybody can come in. They have to be escorted uh, through security by myself. But anyone can come in and visit. We just uh, get them a badge and take them to visit. So I like that part of this mission field because people can always come put their eyes on it. Amen. And, uh, and, and it's not a great trip. And, you know, we, we get some folk from northern Minnesota that love to come down here in uh, January, February, and March. And that's fine. Uh, that's because great. I believe if people can put their eyes on it, they can pray better. Sure. And that's what, sure. that's what gets things done for us. It's prayer, brother. It's, it's nothing more than the grace of God in prayer. But uh, yes, that's that's done. Um, now, because of COVID, I have to make sure I notify the uh, 
Newport Police Department, the names of the people coming have been a little bit more cumbersome. Of course, masks and temperatures have been uh, required at the gate for a year, uh, over a year now. But uh, as uh, and, and there was a period of time last year when it was difficult to get even on board the vessels. Sometimes they would stop us at the gangway at the pier, not even let us come up. Uh, then it got to the point they'd let you come up to the to the up the top of the gangway and you could announce what you were there for and you had to wear your protective equipment and they would test you. You could leave your uh, your Bibles, your literature, your music, uh, your needs for them at the at the guard desk and then you had to disembark, go back down the gangway and then uh, lately it's opened up just a little bit. Uh, there's some vessels that I've been dealing with where I've known the men for 10 years. And th they were always distraught uh, because we had such a relationship with them that I would spend nearly hours on board the vessel with them and they could tell me about the, the hurt. Uh, and when COVID came, uh, they couldn't do that anymore. And th there was so much fear not only for themselves, but more for their families when they're locked down and they can't help them. Uh, they lost a lot of hope. This uh, last 17 months uh, has had the greatest amount of suicides for seafarers wow. around the world because of despair. Uh, I, I talked to guys that had been on board 22 months, uh, couldn't mm. go home. We had a group of men that I'm very close to uh, that went to uh, from Mobile, they were here every month, and then they went uh, for nine months, and then they went to Turkey uh, to uh, discharge their their, uh, their coal, and then they were in dry dock for three months under repair. So they knew they would have a little bit of an extended uh, an extended stay, but then they went out to Anchorage in the in the country of Turkey, wouldn't then let them disembark to go to a motel so they could catch a flight back to the Philippines. Wow. Uh, they called me up in on uh, Messenger and they said, uh, Pastor Ken, can you help us? Uh, we need some encouragement. So we, we did a live uh, Bible study, just a, a, a message of encouragement for the crew there. Uh, so it's been hard on them. But uh, we've seen within the last, I would say, three months uh, that it's, it's more than not were allowed to go inside the vessel, not always to the crew mess, but at least to the uh, meeting room and leave our materials. Uh, it used to be just one or two guys would be there because they tried to isolate the crew from you, but now it's opened up. Uh, Miles, a, a dear young friend of mine that uh, is, uh, has a burden for the ministry, he yes. was able to come last week and we we're even able to eat a meal on board. Uh, so we're being served. So it's really opening up. I think a lot of it's because the fear is gone. A lot of that is because uh, they're receiving some vaccines. And I think uh, I think the whole COVID fear has been less. But uh, there's still obstacles. Uh, very rarely do they get to go out shopping. Um, I, I've... Uh, I've been taking the vessels that I've known for a long time, the Star Shipping. They, they will send all of their packages from Walmart, eBay, and Amazon to my house. And uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, I had so many in my van, it was full. 
And when we unloaded it, they had to put it on board the ship with their cargo net. (laughs) (laughs) Over 60 packages. Wow. But you can't just run to the store. And uh, they'll use their credit card and they'll ship it to my home. And that's just another means of of, uh, being a blessing, earning the right uh, to to share the word of God with them. And when I went on board, they said, okay, pastor, uh, we need to have a Bible study. Okay. So um, it's opening up. Will it ever be like it used to be? I hope so. Uh, sure. But only God knows. But it is open the opportunity to speak to them about not their their greatest fear, brother. When I was on there, was of course COVID and dying of COVID. But that just led to a greater opportunity to ask them, "Well, let let's not worry about COVID. Let's talk about the real problem, which is death." Yeah. And so, did God use it? Absolutely. Was it a hardship? Amen. Of course, it was a hardship. But sure. uh, he he made a way, just like in your ministry in every church. Uh, we, we've stretched, we've done things differently, and it's opened some different avenues we never thought would open. So, And, and the ministry is, is needful. Uh, yeah. We need people to help. Um, not just anybody can do it. You need to be called. It, it's romantic sounding, but when you start at 9 o'clock in the morning, you don't get home till midnight. Uh, it, it, can, it can be wearisome. There's actually 11 birthing areas at the Port of Mobile, uh, really to do a good job of getting on all 1,800 vessels, seeing over 45,000 people a year. We wow. probably need three teams of two just to do a good job. And uh, right now I'm, I'm by myself. Pastor James has, has of course, taken a uh, position in our, in our local church, which, which is good. Uh, but for a few years now, it's it's been a little difficult. And and I forgot to tell you, we also have a ministry at the at the port of Panama City that the Lord allowed us to uh, resurrect or, or rebuild about three years ago. And uh, I used to be able to go there often, but I have a local church there, Grace Baptist Church, and Pastor Mike Jones and those folks do a good job of helping me. But, of course, COVID has changed some of that. But uh, we have a need there for a full-time person, a couple. And we could use two or three here. Well, brother, that was, the, that was the other question I wanted to ask you was your, your vision for the, for the future of the ministry. But I think that you've just, uh, you've just sort of exercised that. If the Lord would send, send some labors into that, uh, into that field, it sounds like there are some great opportunities. And it sounds like there's some there's some hope that there's some help on the horizon. Um, yes, it, before the program, you mentioned our mutual fl- friend Blake Muscott yes. mm-hmm. serving up in Virginia Beach, doing a great job. I'm yes, really sir. excited about uh, his being used in a similar ministry in another part of the world. And then Miles Mayer is uh, a uh, a dear young man to me. And uh, I was his pastor for a number of years, and I'm really excited about his having discovered your outreach there and um, excited to see what the Lord will bring of that. So uh, sounds like the the doors, despite the COVID issue, there's still some great open doors, just uh, a need for more labors in that uh, harvest field. Yes, sir. And you know what's, I'm 68 years old and uh, Don Bettis, Brother Don Bettis would have bored the vessels till he was 90 years old. Uh, wow. he, he would climb those gangways until 
his heart just gave out. And what a what a blessing it was to me. I'd like to beat his record, but I don't know that uh, <laughs> that's in God's hands. But I'll tell you, the right. ministry is changing so much. Uh, from when I started uh, in 2009 to today, it's just amazing. But for us to be more effective, we're going to need technology. Yeah, and we're we're discovering some of those uh, those abilities. Blake is top notch on that. Miles is is good on that. These young guys are learning that. So um, I'm just an old horse that doesn't know anything about. Uh, a lot of that stuff, but uh, these men live on their cell phones and their SIM cards. Right. And uh, we need to get something in their hands to, sure. to, to match up with the Word of God. Because when they're at sea, they have a lot of time. Yeah. And so we need young people. We need, uh, we need those technologies. Um, they, they need to stay off their computer looking at bad things. And stay on their computer doing a discipleship course and how to grow in Christ. Sure. sure. And so uh, that that needs young people, brother. Yeah, I I actually just um, last week I sent Brother Miles some information on on some technology that I had recently learned about, and I know Blake's got access to it also that yes. I think might be a good fit for the ministry. So yes, sir. Hopefully, these guys will. Uh, bring with them some some innovations that will that will help the ministry move forward. Brother Ken, it was it's been a pleasure talking with you about uh, the Seaport Ministry. I'm so thankful that you're there and that you're doing the ministry, and I appreciate you taking the time to relate some of the some of the fruit that the Lord's allowed you to see. And uh, you've 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 been able to address so many of the things that I had planned to talk to you about, and it's just it's just rolled uh, it, it's just come out in in the natural course of your testifying about the ministry, Amen. the Mariner Center, uh, the corp- correspondence school that you make available, the the follow up that you try to do with the men, and some of the special projects. Uh, just a really exciting, really unique ministry the lord's opened up to you and uh, missions is church planning missionaries going to the uttermost parts of the earth i i i still think that that's at the heart of uh of missions but it would be a real shame for us to miss an open door and an opportunity like the lord has opened unto you there at the port of mobile so thank you for your faithfulness in that brother and thank you for taking the time to tell us about it today well it's been my pleasure brother and, and we pray for you and what god's got in store for you as well it's all to the glory of god we're just Amen. servants and lowly as we are he can still use us and what a blessing uh, to know that and the best is yet to come that's for sure Brother Creech is a sweet-spirited man with a compassion for those mariners and a tremendous open door to communicate with their spiritual needs, especially their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to contact Brother Creech concerning the ministry or schedule a time to see it for yourself, you can email him at seaportservant at gmail.com. That's seaportservant at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. You can subscribe to this program most anywhere where you receive your podcasts. And if it's been a blessing to you, please feel free to invite others to tune in. I always welcome your feedback. You can contact me, Brother Lee, by email at greatcommissionconversations at gmail.com. Until next time, let's do what we can to preach the gospel in the regions beyond.